Allie. Hey, Julie. Welcome to the Rise for Educators podcast, the podcast where we share research-based tools that relate to empowerment, self-care, and all things education. Each week, we discuss the RISE system, a model we created to make it easy to identify which self-care tools are best for you. We also talk about the ladder, a tool that connects the dots between your mind and your body. I'm Julie. And I'm Polly. We are instructional coaches and sister-in-laws who decided to take our conversations about these ideas out of the corner of our family gathering and put them into a podcast. Welcome to episode 26. Our topics for today are nature deficit disorder, use it or lose it, and a nature pyramid challenge. How are you doing, Holly? I'm good. I'm relaxed. How about you? I'm pretty good, actually. Um, my check-in for this week is this is an environment um, episode, so I've kind of immersed myself in some uh, nature this week. And one thing I did is I watched the Netflix or most of the Netflix, I actually have to finish it. I fell asleep, but it was really good. It was, um, I know, right. <laughs> it was really, really good. I, I kind of forgot it when I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, I don't think I actually finished it, but I planned to. <laughs> um, it was the, it, it was called my octopus teacher. It is a documentary. And, um, as I was kind of scrolling Netflix, like, what can I watch? And I just, really was seeking something peaceful. And because we're talking about nature and the environment and the health benefits of that, I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. So it really was interesting. It's this uh, South African man who does these daily dives in the ocean with no wetsuit, no scuba gear. And he, um, he spends his time in like the kelp forest um, in the ocean. And he goes mm -hmm. every single day and he develops this relationship with an octopus. I know, right? Isn't that That's weird? Cool. I mean, yeah. it's just so weird, but like so yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, super interesting. I learned a lot. It's just super peaceful. And he basically just really connects, like really, really connects with nature. And one thing that he said, and I was just cracking up is like, I apparently, um, it, wherever he is in the ocean at or maybe everywhere. I don't know what, how ocean temperatures vary, but it's really, really cold, like freezing cold. Yeah. And so, um, he was talking that, you know, you're, I know, right. So <laughs> I, I cannot get going. away from the cold water thing. <laughs> so he's like, it's very cold, but, um, you just have to get used to it. And then you just relax and then he's like, once you relax, he's like, you just feel so good that the cold, he was saying like cold is so good for your body. It's just like stimulating. And I'm just like, damn, this cold water thing, because I, I have to tell you, I have still, I still take cold showers and I cannot tell you how many people come up to me and they're like, really, are you really still doing that cold shower thing? And not only am I doing it, but I like, just love it. I look forward to it. And I do think it makes me feel better. Um, and it's like, he's your people. I know. I know. Right. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so I would kind of recommend it in terms of like, um, and then I started kind of watching some interviews about the people that were, that helped film this, you know, uh, on the uh, bottom of the ocean and the crew. And it's really interesting. And the whole theme is, um, you know, spending time in nature and really just feeling connected with nature and how that connects you to yourself. Um, and it's kind of this like 2020 escapism, you know, mm -hmm. like just immersing yourself, like 
getting away from all the crap. Um, And so I really kind of enjoyed it. Although I fell asleep. It was so enjoyable that I fell asleep. Um, I was so relaxed, but um, I would recommend it. And um, the, one of the, the, one of this woman who did the dives with him, she was talking about the cold water thing too. And somebody asked her in an interview and she said, you know, in our modern life, we do not allow ourselves to get cold and, but really our body can adapt. And I think that's just, to me, that's kind of the theme of this episode is like in modern life, we've protected ourselves Mm -hmm. so much from so many things. We've closed off our senses. Don't allow ourselves to get too cold or too hungry or too, maybe we allow ourselves to get too tired, you know, (laughs) but we, we really protect ourselves and we're really cutting ourselves off from the natural world. So Netflix, my octopus teacher. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that. Sounds interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so that's my check-in for the week. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. And you know, what's so interesting is that one of the things I love about this is like whatever episode we're on, we really kind of immerse ourselves in both the research (laughs) and the experience. Um, So I heard you say like, oh, I was really relaxed. And that was just, you know, watching the pictures of nature on TV. Yes. Um, And I am also feeling really relaxed because this week um, we've been, we'll be talking a little bit about like the benefits of being out in the forest. And so one thing I've done differently this week is I've recruited my husband and I've been like, you know, Hey, how about if we go and we live in an area that has tons of forest preserves, but we usually just walk in the neighborhood or we always walk in the neighborhood. So I said like, you know, Hey, we could drive five minutes away and let's just try a different venue. So we've been doing that. Um, so we've done that a few different times. Um, there's actually in my town, there is a secret waterfall that we did not know about. And for maybe, really? yes, for like 15 Wait. years of living here, I had no idea this, this waterfall that is less than five minutes from my house. I had no idea about it. And most of my neighbors had no idea about it. Well, um, that is interesting. It is. Yeah. And it's like a, I mean, it's not like Niagara Falls, (laughs) but it's not like a little creek, you know, backyard waterfall. Like it's a, it's a nice size waterfall. And, um, it wasn't my oldest Brenna kind of just likes to, she's always been really kinesthetic and likes to just kind of experience the world through her senses. Um, like as a kid, I always felt like she was the kid that was like digging in the dirt or like, you know, even now like making cookies, likes her hands and things. But she loves like the life experience. And sure enough, she stumbled on this, you know, found out through friends, stumbled on it. And when we first found it, it was kind of hidden from the the path. Now, when Rick and I went this last week, I was like, oh, the path's a little bit more open. You can definitely see the waterfall from the path. Um, Before, it used to be like definitely more concealed. But, you know, we usually sit out on Friday nights with our neighbors and um, by a fire. And I was talking to some of my neighbor friends about it. And even, even now we've lived here over the 25 years. And even now some of my neighbors were like, where is that now, you know, describe it again. So I thought, gosh, this is really five minutes from our house. Um, so yeah, that's okay. kind of like, a so discovering thing. nature that you didn't know existed. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Well, and I do find well, that. Okay. It- Especially because we live in the suburbs of Chicago. Right. So we are, there, there certainly are things around, but it's not like we don't live right near the mountains or the ocean and we've got Lake Michigan, but you and I are both like almost an hour from that. So right. you do kind of have to go get on Google and find out and there's maybe more around us than we realize. So that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And then the other part I would say is that now we have kindergarten through second graders back at school, third and fourth grade goes back on Monday and then fifth mm. and sixth grade goes back that next week. 
Um, so it's feeling a lot less like the apocalypse at school yeah. uh, with kids coming back. And, you know, it's like, oh, laughter's not on mute anymore. And um, yeah, it's amazing in so many ways. I mean, a little scary, you know, for a lot of people like, this yeah. is, you know, uncharted territory, but there is something really awesome about having the kids in school and their voices. And even if they're through a mask, like, you know, it's, it's yeah. been really amazing. So yeah, a new appreciation for seeing, you know, seeing people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will tell you, um, I was covering a few times this last week, I was outside covering some classes during recess and it's a little tough. I was like, Ooh, we're going to have to, you know, think about some things we can do. Cause I felt like the whole time I was like a six feet apart, you know, like stop touching each other. Or, you know, I had this one little yeah. kindergartner that came up to me, like ready to give me a big bear hug. And it felt terrible because I had to put like Aww. a stop sign hand up and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, Aww. we got to stay six feet apart. But, um, but yeah. so there are some challenges like associated with all of this, but, right. um, yeah, it, there's a little bit of like energy and excitement at school. So that's been really great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for our episode this week, this is for the fourth in a series. So we've done a series on ways to help regulate your emotions, which all the RISE tools do, but we were kind of like, okay, that seems like right now with people coming back to school and um, a lot of things going on right now, a lot of transitions, like maybe figuring out what is your toolkit and going through the RISE tools, all designated to help you regulate your emotions. So we had the couch potato breathing to reset your body. That was mm-hmm. the R. The I was the values funnel um, for your inner voice. The S was strengthening your social connections mm-hmm. um, with uh, by deepening your friendships with the friendship tool. And now this week is an environment challenge uh, with immersing yourself in nature. So it's our the fourth one in our series. Okay. Um, so how much time do you spend outdoors? Human beings have become an indoor species. We increasingly spend the majority of our lives indoors. The average American spends 93% of the time in enclosed buildings and vehicles. This leaves only 7% of the time that we spend outside. In our culture of busyness, many of us suffer from something called nature deficit disorder. In his book, The Nature, nature Principle, Richard Louv describes this as an atrophied awareness, a diminished ability to find meaning in life that surrounds us. He also cautions that our lack of connection with the natural environment has a direct impact on our physical, mental, and societal health. Yeah, I believe that. I do too. (laughs) Um, Researchers analyzed several studies about the effect of nature on human health. And what they found is that societies in general who had more access to green space, so these are like either open, underdeveloped, or undeveloped land, or little city park areas that are intentionally crafted as green space for that area, those communities had strong health benefits associated with it, including Mm -hmm. uh, reduced risk of diseases like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, less premature death, less preterm births. Um, less stress, and increased sleep duration. So the Hmm. question is, why? Why do these green spaces provide that effect on people's health? And the truth is that scientists aren't sure, and they've got some theories, like a real easy theory to go to is it might just be that people living near green spaces have more opportunities for physical activity or like a dog park, like socializing um, Mm -hmm. or a regular park. But 
um, the more they're diving into it, they, they're realizing that there might be an even stronger biological connection going on between humans and plants and trees. And scientists are now, yeah, I think it's interesting because scientists are now looking at the chemicals Mm -hmm. that plants and trees emit called photonsides. (laughs) I'm not sure how to pronounce that. (laughs) Um, As possible agents that are improving immune cell function. And they can, they're even, they've been seen in laboratories to fight tumors and viruses. Um, Meanwhile, exposure to a diverse variety of bacteria that could be present in these natural areas might also have benefits for the immune system and be reducing inflammation. Hmm. So when we limit our connection to nature, which is probably compounded by society's endless threshold for technology, we end up with nature deficit disorder. This is not a medical diagnosis, but more of a call to action. And research that's been done in hospitals, offices, and schools has even found that a simple plant in a room can lower our stress levels and anxiety. So if you can't get outside, bring the outside in. It's time to open up and live wide for you and everyone in your life and for our society. And it starts with our senses. So this is kind of the old use it or lose it with our senses. See if you can remember a time when you were really in the middle of nature Maybe it was in a forest or a field or by the ocean. Take a minute to bring to mind what you recall through the lens of your senses. You may notice a shift in how you feel by just recalling this experience. Natural settings can spark this in the moment state change. It heightens your senses and prompts you to take in things around you from this multi-sensory lens. It also makes you more likely to benefit from this experience. That I really do. I like, I can picture that when I'm by the ocean, it's mm-hmm. like, it just seems it's so easy to be very present. Or even as we're walking right. in the forest, it seems really easy to be right there in the moment. It's, you know, I think the mindfulness sometimes is hard on my, you know, or meditating some days is a little bit harder. If I'm in the middle of my family room, my mind's kind of spinning, but for some reason, the nature does kind of like spark that, I think. Mm -hmm. It really does. And there's a lot of research about like, we were designed as human beings to use all of our senses for, um, for survival. And so, you know, there's a lot, when your eyes are looking far out into the distance, they feel relaxed and, you know, we're used to using all of our senses. And so we're, it's sort of a more peaceful, natural state than when we're inside and all kind of like tunnel vision. Yeah. Well, it's just the eye piece I'm thinking about. Right. Like usually right now, our eyes are tunnel vision on our yes. screens or, oh my gosh. or whatever. Yes. So, yeah. Just that piece. Whereas you're right. When you're out, out in nature, you can kind of like look across the horizon. And mm-hmm. I do think that's just more relaxing for your body. So And I do. Yeah. I mean, in our normal busy world, it's so easy to get caught up in our routines. And I think it kind of like numbs our senses. Yeah. Um, I've heard it. It it's least it can lead to something called directed attention fatigue. Mm -hmm. And that happens when your um, brain's prefrontal cortex is constantly managing like all these different stimuli. And it's said that a great antidote for that is nature. And it's been shown that simple things like, you know, just looking at at your clouds and trees can restore not only your mood, but also strengthen your cognitive functioning. And I love this story about Japan. So in Japan, they're doing this thing called, or they do this thing called Shrin Yoku, which is translated as forest bathing. Mm -hmm. 
And it's not exactly a bath, but forest bathing refers to being in an environment where all of your senses are engaged. And they've actually done some studies to show our immune cells that fight cancer have been found to increase when you're in the forest. Yeah. And I think there, I I think when I read that study, there's something, there's some plant in Japan in particular that they have studied that people actually smell. They intentionally like breathe in this Mm. plant because they believe that that um, actually helps their immune cells. That's so interesting. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Some researchers in Japan, um, they recognized that one thing they recognized about urban life is that when we're indoors, we mostly rely on our eyes and our ears and our other senses are underutilized. And they think this is partially related to why outdoor environments make our stress levels go down. That when we plunge into these nature activities and we use a more full range of our senses, that we feel less stress. So activating, which is probably Holly, why it's easier to meditate when you're sitting in the middle of a forest or just yeah. to sit quiet because yeah. um, you're using all your senses and it, it, it definitely activates um, a sense of calm. Yeah. So by fully activating our senses, we can really, it can lead to some really positive health benefits, but in our high tech society, are we losing our ability to do this? I kind of think we are, at least I I think I am. (laughs) You know, I was thinking I was walking with my friend, Georgianne this past summer. um, And as we were walking uh, on this trail, um, she was pointing things out like, oh, you see the grass is worn down there. I think that's the path that, you know, the deer likely take and look over here. This is likely where the raccoons sleep at night. And I'm not entirely sure if she was right or not, but I was like, (laughs) wow, she's experiencing (laughs) this in a totally different way than I, like those would have been things I just completely overlooked. Um, (laughs) But I think that there are things, you know, she's a tracker. She's a nature. Yeah. 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 And I think she's probably a little bit more in tuned with all of her sentences or all of her senses, not her sentences, her senses. Um, And it just, when you're with somebody like that, it, it's interesting because you're like, oh, they experience the environment in a completely different way than I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this lady named Angela Hanscom. And in this blog post for CNN, uh, she explains, and she wrote this book called Balanced and Barefoot, but she explains that children are not moving like they did in past years. And, you know, it's rare now to find a child rolling down the hill or spinning in circles just for fun or climbing trees at great heights. And in fact, our society often discourages this kind of play because of liability or, you know, we're afraid of kids falling. Mm -hmm. And she thinks that it's connected to more and more children now presenting with sensory issues, either hypersensitive or um, lacking sensory issues in some places these days. Yeah. I mean, that's like use it or lose it. And isn't that so true? Like we're just, and, or kids are moving in just very structured ways. You know, they're going to soccer practice and they're going to um, piano lessons, but where they're not outside, you know, we're, I think we're so fear-based Yes, that, yeah, that they're not moving. And so they're not using their senses. And another study I read mentioned that that's why they think people are having more allergies because kids are not outside as much as they used to be. Yeah. That is so funny because when I was outside with the class this week that I was telling you about where I was like, stay away from each other, stop touching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
so I did that like for the whole week, I was kind of covering for these 20 minutes as we're trying to figure out the structure that we're going to use there. But um, it was really actually awesome and fascinating because it was nice to see things in action. But one of the days, you know, the first two days I was like, you know, a little bit less structured. And then finally it was like, all right, I need to like make this a little bit more of a structure. So we did a nature scavenger hunt activity. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was fun. But one of the things was like, you know, find a bug. And I just said, you know, find a bug and then call me over. Well, one of the kids grabbed the bug, you know, by the, by their hands and of course, (laughs) right. And I was like, Oh, maybe you should put that down. Like I'm thinking to myself, you know, like the liability and the dirt and all these things, but like (laughs) it really like fits into exactly what she's saying. Like, you know, really, is it going to really hurt you if a little worm crawls on you? No, it's not, you know? Yeah. And maybe that is part of being in touch with nature and, you know, it's not as something to be as afraid of or letting kids do. Yeah. Um, so once we lose our senses, we're all growing up with, you know, less of these experiences. Can right. we ever get them back? Um, so there was a, a research study at the University of California, Berkeley, where they limited the sensory input of college undergraduates. Um, they taped goggles on their face and they put earmuffs on them and work gloves. So kind of getting rid of their sight and their hearing and their sense of touch. And then they let them loose in this field and had them follow the smell of chocolate perfume for 30 feet. Um, And since smell is one of the senses that we don't use that often, it was like, are Mm -hmm. they going to be able to do this? Um, They didn't make it easy. They did. They put these like little twists and turns in, but they observed that the students mimic the techniques that are used by animals that more heavily rely on their senses like dogs. They zigged and zagged to try to pick up the scent. And as they repeated the trail, they became more and more accurate and speedier. Mm -hmm. Um, So they found that not only was their senses, or they theorized that not only was their sense of smell improving and being honed, um, but it was being combined with their inner sense of direction, which we don't usually include as one of our five senses, but Mm -hmm. scientists really consider this a sense. Um, Without, with the absence of these other senses, Um, these two senses kind of work together and students were able to become proficient at them. So I guess they aren't losing their, you know, we don't lose our senses entirely and maybe every once in a while really intentionally focusing on those different senses. Right. Yeah. Cause I think if they, the more they went through the trail, the better they got. So with practice, yeah, they were able to, yeah. Yeah. But I think when we rely so much on our like handheld, you know, GPS systems to get us from place to place, we kind of dull our ability to do this. I think we totally do. I mean, it's to the point where like, I feel like our generation compared to like my parents who are in their seventies. I mean, my mom will constantly be like, well, how did you get here? And you look at her like she's crazy. It's like, yeah. I don't know. We just right. put the address. Right. I followed Siri wherever she told me to Yeah, go. so I really have, have, and I, for years now, I really try to make a point of paying attention to where I am and sort of trying to use my sense of direction because I really think, and I know my kids, you know, in their 20s, like, I mean, the thought of just trying to like kind of figure your way out, figure your way to where you're going um, and kind of go, well, which direction should we head? I mean, we're totally losing that. So, um, which, you know, when your phone zaps out or your GPS goes out, you know, which is, you know, will happen once in a while. It's like, well, you're totally screwed. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah. No clue how yeah. to navigate. Um, I just think that, yeah, it's almost like that's just one of those things where technology is like, it's great to have, but um, how much are we relying on this stuff mm-hmm. where we just are not using 
our inner wisdom at all. Yeah. And how um, much is that impacting our well-being and our happiness? Like that's the other piece, I think. Right. So, you know, even though, so I, even though we haven't lost our ability, we definitely need to be intentional and practice using our senses. Um, and actually I'm going to add a tidbit here on the octopus my friend, my teacher, the octopus, yeah. that Netflix special, he was motivated. The, um, the protagonist in, in the documentary, the man who dives every day without a wetsuit and, and develops a relationship with an octopus. He was a filmmaker who became completely burned out and he had, um, was very motivated by this tribe of people that he was filming years ago. Um, and they would actually track their food. So these were just human beings that were using their senses to track. And he was so um, mesmerized by their ability to track that he really just felt like he wanted to be connected to our world and nature and which kind of led him. So he stopped filmmaking because he got burned out and then he went on this dive and then decided to make a story out of him connecting to nature and the world. So anyway, in terms of all that, it's just, it was weird how that Mm -hmm. documentary connected exactly to to me, it's about how connected are we with ourselves and the world and nature really is the pathway. Yeah. Yeah. And getting back to like our, our roots, like our right. ancient human roots. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I think like when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a little bit more of a rural area than where I live now. Um, and we would play in the forests. And I remember like looking, we would call it Indian chewing gum. It was mm. a plant that had, I don't know if, you know, the head that's like white foamy material in it that we would chew and I think about um, and we would um, pick raspberries and eat raspberries and I haven't done that in years and I don't actually live in an area now where it's as easy to do that live in a more urban area but um, it just this episode really kind of made me realize how as a kid I did spend a lot of time outdoors Mm -hmm. and um, now I have to be intentional about it so anyway um, so today we introduced to you our nature pyramid tool so picture the food pyramid and Holly and I was like, does that even exist anymore? Um, didn't that just like make everyone fat because like right. the bottom portion of the pyramid was like bread and pasta. Like I remember that big like loaf of bread. Right, right. And it's five to eight servings. Imagine. Right. And like we all thought we just had to eat carbohydrates all day. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Like yeah. does that even exist? I mean, I'm sure there's like a gazillion models of food pyramids, but um, I bet it doesn't look like the one that we grew up with in the yeah. 80s. Um, But instead of loaves and bread and broccoli florets, picture doses of nature walks and tree huggers. So what are the different types of nature experiences that you could include in your life and how many servings do you need? According to research, at least 120 minutes a week is the magic number where people reported the highest levels of well-being. Finland is even more specific for their citizens. They recommend five hours a month at minimum, in the woods to stave off depression. Yeah, I, I love that. I, mean, I know. I, I like that that kind of builds on, because there was so much research that we read about uh, the benefits of being in the forest. I'm kind of blown away by right. that, because I live in a place where there are forests really accessible, but they really aren't places that we've gone a whole lot. So. Right. Uh, and okay, what strikes me about this is Finland. Like, I feel like we're always yeah. like, Finland seems like the utopic society. Right. I have never been there, but it's like Finland has the best school system. And now yeah. Finland has this. It's like, right. And I actually have yeah. a good friend who grew up in Finland. 
And she always says, yeah, it's a great place, but it really is a different place than the United States. It's a much smaller area and they're able to um, sort of live just a different lifestyle. But I'm going to ask her about this because I just feel like anything like cool and Mm -hmm. connected Mm -hmm. and peaceful it's like oh finland again okay right, i'm gonna have right. i'm gonna have to get there one day <laughs> yeah i was reading about these uh, forest schools in scandinavia in general where you know they yes. really have kids connect to the natural world and it was making me laugh because um our husbands have a cousin that did this sort of out in seattle she homeschooled her kids and i don't know if you remember her cousin tracy we were talking about I totally she, forgot about that yeah but she was she was talking about like you know she'd have her kids go and like you know, draw pictures of the salmon that were swimming in the stream i think you and i we were in education we were like oh <laughs> i don't even <laughs> what remember is that? that yeah but now yeah. Okay, it's like you know full circle a little bit um but kind of this idea about like being connected with nature and that there are some countries that are seeing this and like it's a different way to think yeah like when she was doing that we were like okay maybe that's a little bit out there but now when you're seeing the research you're like okay maybe these things that seem a little bit out there there may be a little something to them so. Well, and also there's, there's, I can't remember, it might be Finland again. Now I don't remember, <laughs> but someplace has, um, forest kindergartens. So oh. they actually have school, um, outside, which now with everything going on, um, it's getting too cold here in Chicago, Yeah, but to do that, but uh, I mean, it certainly makes sense to take kids outside and to let them, yeah. Uh, kindergarten forests, forest kindergarten, someplace in the world, they have it. Um, and they let the kids, you know, play and explore. And if they want to sit by a tree and have quiet time, it's just really like connecting, um, them to the environment and to nature, which I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and you think Scandinavia, it gets really cold. So they're doing these forest schools. And I I think I've heard that. And, and actually I've heard about Scandinavia and Minnesota, that people in those two areas, like they actually live outside during the winter, which is funny because here we like kind of, you know, hibernate during the winter a little bit. We hibernate and eat deep dish pizza. (laughs) Yes, we do. Darn good deep dish pizza. That's for sure. I know. So we just, we're protecting ourselves too much. Yes, we are fulfilling the bottom of the food pyramid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So onto our tool. Um, (laughs) At the bottom of the nature pyramid are ways that just, this is the simplest entry into nature. And so they're just ways that, you know, if it is too cold where you are, um, there are ways that you can bring nature into your indoor space where you spend most of your time, which also has been shown to uh, have health benefits. So mm-hmm. things like bringing in a potted plant, fresh cut flowers, even scenes of nature as your screensaver. Um, those That's so funny. I just did that, Holly. I'm going to do that. So my this week, I right just now. did that. I I, didn't, I just was like, you know, I'm going to put a better screensaver on. And <laughs> no, I, and see, I, you were I actually think yourself. it makes a difference just to even see a picture. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to do that. Okay. So that's on my list. Um, <laughs> you can open your curtains or even the window as a whole and gaze outside, letting your eyes scan out and relax. Or you can open your car door window and feel the wind on your face. I do the, do this sometimes, even in the winter, hmm. I kind of like am drawn to do doing that. Um, just that making... surprises me. I know because I get cold easily, but you um, get very cold. I don't see you as yeah. an, you're more of an indoor person, I but am. I see you're becoming more of an outdoor person. I kind of am. I'm making a little bit of a shift and maybe it's I through all that. the research that we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think you can just make these little minor tweaks in your indoor living spaces that you're in every day uh, to bring in a little nature to reap some health benefits. Okay. So that's the bottom of the pyramid. So those are 
things that we can do, um, bring things into our indoor spaces. The next level and the pyramid going up is going outside um, into your everyday nature places, like right near where you live or work, such as like doing a lap around your block or your building at lunchtime, hanging out on your patio or your porch, going on a walk in your neighborhood, or maybe a local park. Places that are easy to access and can help you make up the bulk of your 120 minutes each week, especially if you incorporate these activities into your daily routines. So you can amp up the benefits by activating your senses while you're walking at lunch or walking around your neighborhood and be fully present. Yeah, I think it's that extra layer of like, not only like, okay, I'm going to go on my daily dose of a walk, but then taking a minute to turn off the podcast while you're walking and take in nature and uh, being fully present. Right. Okay. So now the final level of the pyramid is spending time in a a place in nature that's a little novel to you. So intentionally heading somewhere like the beach or the mountains or anywhere in nature that you haven't been before or haven't been for a while and taking in, in that kind of environment, it's going to really heighten your sense of awareness because it's novel and you're Mm -hmm. more likely to lock it into your memory and be able to recall it later. So using our senses fully in a forest or by the water, like an ocean or a lake, seem to come up the most in the research in terms of lowering stress levels, increasing your immunity, and opening up your creativity. The idea is whatever environment you're in, let your body take in the nature around you with your senses. Be fully present. Connect with the natural elements by walking barefoot or sitting in a wide open field on a breezy day. What would be at the top of your pyramid? Camping for a weekend, forest bathing, a trip to the ocean? Everyone's nature pyramid will look different. Okay, so our challenge for the week is try out the nature pyramid tool. Get your daily servings of nature and try to get outside for at least 120 minutes this week. As always, we believe all tools are most powerful when personalized, so make it your own. This week is all about getting outside and taking in the world around us. Let us know how this worked for you. You can contact us via email at riseforeducators at gmail. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at riseforeducators. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next Monday for our next episode of Rise for Educators. Have a good week.